Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I desperately need to clean out my fridge. This chat is with the incredible Sinem Sakaulu, who is a feature, commercial, and music video director from Hamburg, Germany, who mainly works in stop motion. Now, when I asked her what she'd like me to say about her in this intro, she said that she'd like to be known as the smartest stop motion director there is because she made the super smart decision to move away from Hollywood, where there's a big market for films, all the way to Hamburg, Germany, where there's absolutely no market whatsoever. And to make matters worse, on top of this, she recently lost a pitch against a UK director. And on top of this, to make matters even more worse, she has always had cats, but currently she is catless. Okay, but actually this chat is really, really great because Sanem is just so down to earth and how she shares her incredible journey of how she became an accomplished German director from her humble beginnings back in Turkey. She also shares the unique funding mix that exists in Europe, which allows directors to produce feature films as she has done in a totally different manner and style than they are done in the US. Some of the projects she's worked on include Sandman and the Lost Sand of Dreams, Hadia and Kara, her own up-and-coming stop-motion feature film, which is currently in development. In fact, she has decided to use this podcast as a way of launching the teaser for Kara. So if you're listening to this right now, which you are, please give it a pause and go check it out immediately. The link to it is in the description of this chat. You will be absolutely blown away by how beautifully she has captured her story in such exquisite stop-motion that is so very rare to see. I think I've watched it about 15 times now so assuming you just went and gave that a watch and you're back now let's dive in hello Sinem how are you how's it going hi Terry I'm good how are you I'm I'm great I'm talking to you I'm so happy we're chatting and uh yeah let's just get into it so you're a stop motion director mainly stop motion in Germany tell me that's true tell me the story because I know that you are not from are you from Germany originally no no No. my um somebody created a wikipedia page for me and they are utterly page that's an achievement (laughs) that that is an achievement i have a page (laughs) but they're they're utterly confused who do i talk to to get a page for myself (laughs) i don't know i have no idea how these pages get created one day it was actually funny um i was at a bar and having a beer and um, i was with some friends we were sharing a table with people and they were like um we met we started chatting and everything they asked who i am blah 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 and then five seconds later new generation they're like oh my god this is who you are and 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 i was like how do you know that and they're like you have a wikipedia page that's how i found out i have a wikipedia page <laughs> not that i incessantly <laughs> google my name <laughs> i only do that once a week no <laughs> um anywho um i was i'm 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 born and raised Turkish. I'm a Turkish, um, I'm Turkish, I guess. Um, naturalized American. Okay. Because I lived in LA for about eight years and a resident of Germany for the last 16 years by now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So quite a journey, Turkey to, to America to Germany. Yeah, I have three IDs. It's very confusing for people. So what compelled you to make all these switches? Was it the film direction life or is this, is, is, is just coincidences? <laughs> that you up in these well, um, I always wanted, I, I went to, um, it's, it's kind of like an um, American high school in Turkey. Um, it was a, it was a private school was, um, and, and a lot of my friends made the 
switch right after high school to go to um, college in America and stuff. So somehow it's kind of planted in your mind, I think, um, that you always want to go to America. Um, and then I um, fell in love. So I stayed in Turkey. Um, <laughs> didn't make the switch then. Then I fell out of love. <laughs> and I made <laughs> after university, I um, found a way to get to America. And um, it was really just because I wanted to experience something different. And I wanted to live elsewhere and see. And for a while, it was great and after a while I thought well now it's kind of time to see another continent maybe and be closer to maybe family and friends so I didn't want to go back to Turkey um, so I decided um, how about Europe somewhere closer by not 16-17 hours on a flight but just a couple of hours so ended up in Hamburg Germany so when did I, this um, when did this career begin for you? So you you moved to America just kind of because you wanted to go and live there, and then somehow you stumbled into a very extreme niche of animation, which is like a niche industry in itself. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like you have to really be driven to you know make a career in stop motion. So there's something you're not telling me yet. You have to be driven. You have to really really like it. Yeah. You you have to love it. You have to really. There, it's, it's so much work you know it yourself I mean it's it's so much work you cannot really just say oh my god I, I it's so it looks so much fun I want to do this um and just make a whole career out of it it's yeah, no. painful in a way um I, I I my background kind of is is similar to yours I mean I, I I always wanted to do something in animation that was that was something I always wanted to do from high school. I was always drawing things. I was into animation, but there was really not a, an animation school in Turkey that I could apply to. Mm. Um, I tried to get into industrial design. They didn't want me. Um, so I said, well, okay, I will just keep drawing myself and see what happens. Um, and I studied actually something with languages, simultaneous translation, the whole other story. Then when I went to America with $200 in my pocket, with one apartment, with three months rent, I think we had paid upfront, um, I decided I need to get a job. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about getting a job in America. So I thought, okay, what do I do? I had a magazine. This is before internet, obviously. I mean, not before internet, but yeah, yeah. you know how I mean it. No Today's social internet. media, no nothing. Today's Dial internet. And I had a magazine sort of thing with, with, with some ads in it. And I picked one and they were looking for data entry people. And I was like, I can, I can do data entry. Um, I didn't know that this company was one of the global five big consulting, business consulting firms at the time. I walked in, got a data entry job. That led into me being hired full-time to moving into I think the first year I made senior, then manager the next year. So it, it just it just kind of snowballed into, and at some point I was like, what am I doing? I didn't necessarily want this as a career. I just needed to make some money. Yeah. Um, that's around the time when I started um, kind of um, making my own stop motion film in my one bedroom Hollywood apartment. So, so you're working... <laughs> This data entry job, you're a manager somehow, 
the, the that entry part was just one week. Then I was in the marketing department. Then I made it's it's I was I was just um... you're were, you were gonna be CEO in in a year basically. Yes. And you're like yes. what what am I doing? I need to <laughs> make a stop motion video in my apartment, and that is that's my hobby. Yes. So how, and, and you'd never done anything like that before? No, I hadn't. Um, so why? why? <laughs> what compelled you to like, get a camera? I, I, I guess. Things in a story. I, I guess it's big, really because of this drive that, that I wanted to do something. And I, and I always wanted to do something in animation. And I, 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 I didn't think I could. I didn't have the training of 2D animation. I, I went to I went back to school after that film and I learned it the correct way. But um, <clears throat> I um, basically thought I can't really do a traditional 2D animation. So but I can probably move objects around and maybe I can build a puppet. <laughs> I went to Home Depot and <laughs> give me the stuff you said. <laughs> Honestly, though, like for me, stop motion is I find it easier than 2D. Like you don't have to you don't have to know how to draw volume and perspective. It just it's just there in front of you and you start moving stuff and it works. I think that's the thing. That's that it's it's accessible. It's more accessible than 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 2D Um, in 2D or computer animation. You need to have some sort of background and you need to know a lot of technical things up front. I mean, obviously, stop motion can be very technical and if the more you know the better your your production value is and the more the more tricks you can do etc i'm not saying you don't have to know technical stuff but without knowing it it's still accessible and i mean back in the day i i shot this film on a on a super 16 bolex camera so i had to know a little bit loading film and 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 stuff like that um today you have a cell phone and and little tripod and even even if you don't have a tripod you can just put it on something and then start moving objects making pictures and then it's magical it's it's accessible it's magical it's moving all of a sudden so that's how i that's how i started and then so so you made this film and then you realized that this is what you (laughs) wanted to do for the next like 20 years well i think it's unfair to just brush it with so you made this film because <laughs> well you because. said you went, you went back to school you went <laughs> because i i took 10 days off work to make this film uh with my then partner um oh. and we were two people making this film and we thought okay three four days to build the stuff two or three days to shoot it and then and then maybe a couple of days for like um editing um <clears throat> two years later <laughs> okay basically i had i had a i had a um, secret identity life i was going to work in the mornings during the day business consulting coming back home sleeping an hour or so animating the night through and sleeping an hour in the morning going back to work um and i kept that up for quite a long time you had um, two hours of sleep two or three day. hours of sleep yeah for for quite a long time you might be the most driven person i've talked to yet to be honest for two years and after that i i thought to myself why don't i do this for a job right that's exactly what i thought when i was waking up at like five or six a.m to like watercolor before work and my little like watercolor animation which turned into a job now but same thing i was like 
if I'm enjoying, if I'm doing this without anybody forcing me to, and there's an industry that exists where I could get paid to do this, why mm -hmm. not switch it up? So yeah, yeah same, same difference. So mm -hmm. two years later, you finished <clears throat> your film. I finished the film. Um, and how did that feel? Awesome. Yeah. really awesome it was it's still it still has a very special place in my heart yeah. i have to say it was it was it's a it's a crappy animated i didn't know the first thing about building anything i had i had i it was it was about this this um little farmer robot woman harvesting batteries to keep living who falls in love with a street lamp which the street lamp was just a street lamp. So it has a very, spoiler alert, <laughs> very sad end. <laughs> it, was, it was very artsy, black and white and everything. <laughs> um, but um, I learned quite a lot during that process. I learned that batteries are heavy. So if you, if you need props, you, you better build them. <laughs> and other, other things like there is something called rigging, which I tried to do with, um, oh, and um, I had, grass um just just um because it was taking place on her farm um i bought these roll-up grass uh patches yeah, yeah. from home depot and i and i built the whole set with that um only to realize they grow so it has this this very funky effect in the film because i couldn't animate some of the shots in 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 a week and then and then the grass grows in, in Wait, it was real grass it was yes like, it was like I was water <laughs> Were you watering? <laughs> yes, I was. I think we've lost a lot of listeners now. <laughs> this is, no, I love this. This is amazing. I've never, I've never, you know, there's like animation outside. I've never heard of anybody using live grass on their set. And it, it unfortunately it was growing stupid. over the period of time you needed to. <laughs> Here you are mowing the grass for your next shot. I would love to pretend that it was out of born out of an artistic vision or something, but it was really just really ignorance. I didn't. Somebody I didn't, watched it and they're like, "I really love how you made the grass grow over the shots." And yeah. You're like, oh my God. This has this has deep meaning about the development of the arc of the character. <laughs> no, it just started growing. I didn't even see it because I didn't really have money to watch dailies. We used to send the film to lab, I think monthly or something to get back that that's I, no, no line tester, no, nothing. It's just, it's yeah. just um, someone at the camera um, telling you higher, lower, no, a bit, no, you, so it was really <laughs> just. I feel like you need to dark. do a homage to this, to this, uh, <laughs> your next production should have live grass in it that grows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, no, I love this. This is incredible. I, I like so you're you're working this job every day and something is compelling you to spend all Hours. of your energy and emotion and, and drive into producing this film that probably means so much to you. And then you finish it and then you decide, was there a moment you decided this is this is how I need to change my life? Um, I think it happened gradually during the whole production of that film. Um, yeah. And I think the kick came in when we, no, we sent the film to, it, it actually got some awards, um, slam dance and everything um, back in the day. Um, but it wasn't, it. It, was, it was before that, that I decided, um, no, it is time to now do something that I have so much passion for um and and making more money for other companies is not that really yeah. 
it's um it was it was it was a strange moment calling my parents from from LA um and telling them I uh just quit my job I'm going to and in Turkish there is really no word for stop motion so I had to tell them I'm making cartoons now um and they were like yes as a hobby but 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 you are working right and I was like no not really (laughs) (laughs) um but it was around the time where I also had decided to move to Europe so it just kind of came as a bundle um making the switch um I didn't really speak German when I came here um so I decided to go to an animation school to kill two birds with one stone Hmm. the um learning the language while doing something that I enjoy and learning the proper way of animating what what is supposed to happen what did I miss when I was making this one film that I made and it was um training in in traditional 2d actually this this uh program so it was um about six seven months it wasn't like a college it was yeah. a 14 month program oh, wow. where i where we had like seven months of of theory from layout to boarding and storytelling and character design all that all that jazz and then and then um seven months of project time where we as a group made another short film a 2d film why didn't you stay in the U.S. where, you know, animation, there's a big hub of animation schools and animation studios, <laughs> like you were already there in L.A. even. Like, I know. Tons of stuff. Um, I just think it's really interesting that you're like, I'm quitting my job and I... I'm going to risk, like you already risked a lot coming to America with $200 in your bank. It's <laughs> like, that's incredible. But then to say, I'm going to start from scratch in another country where I don't even know the language into a new career like that takes a lot of guts people have said this to me over the years and maybe it's time i start believing them it didn't feel courageous at the time or when you're doing it it doesn't feel like anything tell tell me how it felt at the time then like what did you exciting you had to do exciting yeah exciting it was like wow cool i can do this um i I, I do like underdogs in life. I always root for the underdog. And I guess maybe it was my attempt at being the underdog. And I was a big uh, young Spunkmaya fan. Um, the reason I was always interested in stop motion has a lot to do with his films. And from my, um, again, not very well-informed mind at the time, I thought Europe is small. Once I get there, maybe I can find a job in his studio. <laughs> I mean, how far can Prague be? Um, so that was, uh, and I, I think um, content-wise, I was more driven to the European style of animation because it has a bit of a less homogenous um, kind of kind of voice, different kinds of storytelling. I mean, sto- stop motion or or or. Animation, in a, in a way, is seen more as an art form. Um, well, we'll get to that maybe later, because oh, when yeah. it comes to feature films, there's, there's a different aspect that we would need to talk about. But from a, from a shorts perspective, um, it's a little bit more um, unique, I think. It's, it's seen as a storytelling tool and technique and not just um, kids' format. Right. Um, and that's probably what I was drawn to back in the day. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're in Germany, you're learning German, you're learning yes. animation. Yes. Then how did you end up here where we're talking right now in 2020? Um, I, 
I think like with anybody who's come to a certain point in their career in this, in this, in this business, I was working my ass off. I was very driven, but I was also very lucky. I was at the right place, the right time. So luck, I think had also quite a lot to do with it. The first thing I did when I was at this animation school, once I started speaking German a little bit, um, broken, but enough to kind of explain what I want to explain. Um, I started looking for internships at, um, and Hamburg actually had not anymore as much, but had back in the day when I moved here, um, a more established animation scene more in the traditional 2D area, um, which moved a little bit into CGI 3D um, over the years, but um, it had a lot of, lot of um, talent and companies and productions and stuff. Um, so I started just knocking on doors and the second door I knocked on, um, they said, we don't want an intern, we don't need an intern, um, but you have business experience you have animation experience. Would you like to production manage our feature film? Yes. <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> wow. Sure. That's quite sure. the opportunity right away. <laughs> that, that's what I mean with, with luck. I mean, yeah. it's, it, was, it was really well, just... Luck, but also like you consciously made decisions that, that got you into that place. Yeah. Like you had that business experience because you were driven to take a job and you had the animation experience because you came there and you were in Germany and you were knocking on doors because you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I feel like um, there's a, there's a, from like talking to so many people and myself even, there's luck, but it's also like you're, you're putting yourself in Lux uh, right. and constantly. We're, we're buying the lottery we're Manufacturing tickets. the luck. Like you're <laughs> like, okay, this opportunity didn't, didn't work out. I'm going to keep knocking until something happens. And it just so happened the second door, like that's incredible. Some people yeah. think the hundred doors, right? <laughs> of course, first. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, um, and it turned out to be an amazing experience for me because I was all of a sudden learning so much more and so much faster than I was at school that um, I was trying to still produce this, this short film I was producing at school. It, it was again the same scenario I was working a day job at night animating and thinking like what the hell did I get myself into this time um but um, please tell me you're not doing that right now like no. <laughs> except that it's a Sunday and we're talking from yeah, my right? studio <laughs> <laughs> no I'm here only for the stable internet connection okay <laughs> I will not work today Okay, no, no. Um, and it turned out to be that that film was The Three Robbers, um, directed by Hayo Freitag. Um, very cool director. I learned so much from him. I think I think that's also another thing. If um, if you have the opportunity, if you're starting out, if you have the opportunity to work with amazing directors, you learn most by just being around. Seeing yeah. them work, seeing how they brief stuff, seeing how they piece together the whole story—it was—it was an amazing adventure. And there again, um, I was production managing, but somehow not credited. I became his assistant, director's assistant, kind of doing all the briefings and the first passes at just looking at animation. I went and lived in Manila for about seven months because that's where we did the animation at a at a company over there. Um, so 
I learned so much from from just going through from the very beginnings of there was no story on the table to we have a film now and it, that film also has a very special place in my heart it's uh I don't know if you've heard of it you've seen it but um it's yeah, yeah. that's incredible so like I, how did you um so your production your production managing assistant director how did you get your own director stuff after that because now you have all this experience and know-how because like for me just being a stupid buddy and working there and just being exposed to the process like before everything's in my imagination on how stuff gets done I have my own ideas and then you're in the studio and you're like oh this is how it actually gets done and here's the yeah. thing etc so how do you how do you make the jump from uh I mean <laughs> I feel like you're a smart person because you started off as the data entry and you're ending up as a CEO and here you start as the intern and you end up as assistant director. So, Terry, let's hope I'm smart. If not, that says a lot about the world. You're just a walking genius. Every, every time somebody meets you, they're like, put her up, put her up. Put no. up. So tell me, I, tell me how you ended up directing then from this. Um, I think like with pretty much everything I do. I first do the job and then I feel like I get the credit for it or, or the recognition for it. This was, this was kind of like the story also how, how I just, I'm a curious person by nature. So I get curious about things and um, I started doing the job of the director before it was offered to me. How that happens is you, <laughs> you break into a production that night. No. <laughs> um, the the team the the line producer on the three robbers it's 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 also about connections obviously the line producer nicola on on the three robbers um had moved on to this stop motion feature the first time in germany um that was that was being planned um it was a producer driven project they had already secured the rights and um, it was just the producer, her, and she turned to me and said, come on board, we're going to have to put a team together. So it was unclear as to what I do, production, animation, something, but um, it, was, it was her invitation that actually kind of paved the path to directing in the sense that when I joined them, we were just three people trying to, in, 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 Europe, the way you fund feature films, it's, it's a little bit different. No, it's quite, a, quite different from America. Um, you have to get a lot of government, films are getting done by government funding. It's a, it's, a, it's a mix of government funding, TV stations, broadcasters, um, distributors, etc. It's a puzzle, but the main part is coming from government and they give you the funding in different stages. So you always have the development funding first and for that you kind of put the concept together, you start putting the script together and sometimes like a concept teaser together to get to the next stage of funding. So we were actually busy laying the groundwork for Sandman. That sounds and somebody, extremely complicated and tough. <laughs> I tried to boil it down. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, no, you, you explained it well. I just mean, um, if I was in the thick of it, trying to get government funding and TV broadcasters on board, it sounds like a very, like you said, a puzzle. It sounds. It is a puzzle. It is a daunting puzzle. There's, there's more nitty gritty stuff about it. There's a lot to criticize, but there's also a lot to say, oh, thank God it, it exists. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know quite how I feel about it, but it's, it's the way things are done here. So, 
Um, basically, um, while we were doing that, as we didn't have a director attached, somebody had to do all these briefings and, and create characters and all that stuff. So I started just doing that. And then after a while, we realized I was just doing not a so shabby job, I guess. <laughs> After a while, we realized that I was the director. That's. <laughs> I was, I was actually also interviewing director candidates at the time. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that was that was basically just yeah. I guess I can summarize it by just doing it, and then and then, not not waiting for people to give you the credit, but just doing it and then yeah. saying, hey, I want it. I, yeah. You have to also put yourself out there. I did have that talk. I did say, hey, I feel like I'm already doing this job and um, should we not maybe talk about it? Yeah, that's, and that's they tough said, even to have because a lot of people, I feel they just wait and they, they feel like they're deserving and they want, but they don't get yeah. it. So you think maybe that would have happened if you didn't, if you didn't say anything? Maybe, yeah. maybe, possible. I mean, um, so... You have to kind of have those kinds of conversations as well, I guess. Yeah. So tell me, are you, so you're a stop motion director. Is that the spot for you? Uh, you know, you want to get your hands on animation, on like the, <clears throat> the writing, like, like what is, you know, you spent a lot of effort getting into this industry and making this a career for you. What is, mm -hmm. what is the thing that you. I, my happy place is working on a project regardless of the format, short, music video, commercial, long form, um, that allows me to try something that I haven't tried before. Mm. So that's kind of how my career kind of progresses. I, I just kind of jump from a project to another with, oh, how about if we, you learn something on one project and then you know you can do it. And the next time around, I always have the drive to make it technically a bit more challenging sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, somehow totally get that otherwise it yeah. becomes monotonous or a pro like boring like not boring but it, it's it takes the you want some fun in it and i feel like that's what stop motion is a lot for me it's constant problem solving in new ways like how are we gonna how am i gonna achieve this this yeah. shot that i have no idea how it's gonna work out yeah i think i think stop motion allows you scalability you can you can really just it could be very small and tiny it could be immensely complicated um and and so there's there's the possibilities are endless so you can always find something that piques your interest and then keeps you going i think so, so um, tell me um right now how are how is uh i guess like what are you working on now are you working in a studio or are you going from studio to studio like you know this is your full-time thing now how does that um, what does that look like and and specifically hamburg especially i haven't talked to anybody in germany before <laughs> Well, I mean, I have been an independent freelance director for about 15 years now. So um, that's um, going fine. <laughs> Does that mean you're and, always, because like I, I've talked to a lot of people in different areas of the industry and some, you know, it's contract to contract where they're, they're finished one and they're on the next one right away. Some people have like months in between between contracts. Is there enough stop motion work in Hamburg to keep no. you? Okay. no. Definitely not. Um, and I do get this question a lot from students when I sometimes guest lecture at universities, like how and what should we do? And the first thing I tell them is if you are into stop motion, 
And you definitely want to do stop motion and let's say public fabrication. And mm -hmm. that's your thing. Then you cannot live in one city, not even one country. You need yeah. to be available for project. You need to go to the projects. So Europe is easy enough that you can get around with work permits and everything. So it's, it's, um, it allows you to this, this movement, but you, you need to be able to just pack your bags and say, okay, for the next year, I'm living in Madrid or wherever the project is, or you do what I do and you just branch out and you say, I want to actually be, um, I want to have a garden. I want to have my apartment. I want to, <laughs> I want to have these, these, these little things to have a different kind of quality of life but then you need to be flexible on the projects that you're working on that's why i branched out um, into doing commercials i do um, ads i do short films i do whatever format comes my way um, i am picky about projects only in in the featured area i have turned down quite a few projects because they're kind of more in the um, geared towards kids in Germany, in animation. Um, but I have also done live action commercials. I do a lot with high speed and I'm also quite interested in the technique there. And um, I've, I've done some food commercials. So it's, it's been kind of a, I, I try to keep, keep myself branched out, um, but I always keep coming back to stop motion. Whenever I can sneak it into a project, it will be a stop motion project. <laughs> so how do you, how are you getting these projects? Are you, I mean, 15 years, you're probably well known now, but um, are you constantly like scouting around or getting in touch with your contacts? So, like, how does, how does that work for you to jump on a music video and then do a commercial and then do a, a film? Like to me, those sound like drastically different types of projects. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that one director has, you know, experience in, in all of those things. Um, it's, I think, um, I don't, I don't necessarily know how it's working. It's, it's basically just following my interests somehow lands me in the right places. I feel, um, I might also be doing a few things right, but yes, I mean, it is, I think the landscape is changing a little bit, um, these days, but usually, um, there are ways when you uh, are in the commercial world, how you get to jobs, you have good connections with film production companies. And when they get asked by the agencies, they will think of you, um, the work that you've, you've put out somehow people will say, Oh, we want to work with that person who did the blah, blah commercial. Um, so that's how it goes mostly through connections and people you've worked with and the work you've already done in the commercial world um, for features. Obviously, you want to have contacts and with, with producers um, that are producing features. Um, music video, I think it's that that's really just that's contacts like musicians, you know, or people. I've had three music video uh, questions in the last week through Instagram. Really? Just people being like, hey. Hey, do you want to? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, so that's what I meant with, I think the landscape is changing a little bit because um, people have realized you can get to the creators directly through yeah. Instagram without all these, like the film production or the agency or the management or this and that. And they're they're doing their own research, I feel, because sometimes the questions, these 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 
um, let's collaborate or let's work on this together is coming from so many different countries where I think, how did they even find me? Why, why me? I, I have no idea. Um, uh, I mean, I'm that was happy. a question I was going to ask too. Like, you know, I'm, I have a project. What is a, what is a reason I go to CNM for like, what, what are you, what is your offering versus like somebody else? Um, like other than stop motion, you know, like you're just a really yeah. great person to work with. Actually, maybe, maybe let's phrase it like this. What is the competition like for projects when you're, you know, trying to scout around and get something? Cause, uh, you mentioned to me before yeah. at the end of this, this recording <laughs> that, um, you know, you're competing against every other country and director in Europe when you, when you're on a project, it's not just like, you know, the other stop motion director in Hamburg, it's like every stop motion director in Europe is wanting this project and that's how the funding works. Yeah, well, I mean, um, the on a, on a feature job, I think you're not really competing as much. It's more about like, what, what's your tone of voice? How do you tell a story? And your personality definitely factors into that as well. Do you get along well with the, with the produ producer who's bringing you the project? But in the commercial world, exactly like you just said, um, you're competing with an open market of, it's not just Hamburg, it's not just Germany, you're competing with um, Belgium, UK. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an open uh, market, so. That's interesting. Um, so like I'm say I'm, I know you've done a McDonald's commercial, say I'm McDonald's yeah, yeah. and I put a RFP oh. call out. I just mm -hmm. put it out everywhere in Europe. I'm like, no, you know, no, we're no, no, shooting no. a commercial for the German audience. Like, no, no, no. The, the, the way it happens is they usually, they usually get three pitches from three different produ uh, film productions and, and attached with a director. Um, basically what they do is they decide, okay, this is kind of the budget we have for this. And we're going to put out a call to a agency, a B and C. And mm -hmm. that's, um, not agency, sorry. The agency puts it out to, to film productions. And the film productions usually go by people they've worked with. And right. um, in the case of McDonald's, it was a film production that I had done something small together with. And they said, hey, and in that case, I was not even competing only with stop motion people. I was also competing against three different techniques. There was a director um, who was pitching live action for the same concept. Hmm. There was a director who was pitching complete CGI for the same concept. So I had to not only convince them, I am the person to do it, but also stop motion is the way to do it. Okay, so t tell me about that because I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to currently convince uh, some, somebody, I guess, that stop motion yeah. is the way to go for this project instead of 2D for something I'm working on. How mm -hmm. do you convince, like, what are your selling points that stop motion is going to be the the winning the winning thing versus like cg for instance which can do so much more than stop motion and even make it look stop motion at this point um or yeah like no oh yeah and no um yeah. okay first thing obviously i would not really generalize it I would have to know a little bit more about the content of your project or what I did on McDonald's was, was uh, because they wanted to create this world um, folding out with a paper look. Oh, hi. <laughs> you just jumped on my lap, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Um, and, and the tactile aspect of, of stop motion was really fitting here because yeah. they wanted it to just the, the whole miracle of, uh, you know there there are signature trays and the world just opening up in that tray and everything and 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 I could convince them 
by saying, well, it is what's more real than real paper. I mean, right. <laughs> um, and yes, you can do the same thing in CGI um, these days. You can maybe not even tell the difference, but um, the amount of time and effort that goes into uh, making it CGI that looks exactly like paper with the amount of like the production value that you have it in stop motion, that would be... Um, maybe twice the amount of the budget we had. So the budget was also probably mm. a factor in convincing them, this will look beautiful. Um, this will look um, like paper and real, yeah. and it will not be as expensive to render. And it's more spontaneous. That's the other selling point because um, yes, you have to have a lot of planning with like with any other animation thing, you have to have your boards, you have to have it really timed and you know exactly what you're doing beforehand but once you have the whole set in front of you and your lighting crew your animator your 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 whole crew is there um it becomes a more new ideas can come and flow into the process that's what i actually love about teamwork on stop motion sets you're there and it's not just you it's, it's the whole team and you have the whole set and you can add you can build onto it yeah yeah Amazing. Oh. Well, th thank you. That makes that makes total sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about your current project that you just you just showed me the the uh, trailer for the pitch, Kara. Um, yeah. So can you explain a little? Just maybe just explain what it is, and I'm I have a lot of questions about it. So just start us okay. off with what it is and why you made it. Well, um, it is. Uh, when I when I start working on different ideas, different projects, it, it, I come from different angles, I think, and it could be something very tiny and very small. It was just the two lines that I wrote on a piece of paper when I had just finished Sandman around that time. It's been mm. quite a while. Um, that said, ducks can appear under the strangest of circumstances, fish don't. And I sent that to uh, my trusted production designer saying, hey, funny sentence, <laughs> don't you think? And she came back with a beautiful, beautiful image that went with this. And from there on, we started just working on it without knowing where it was going to go. And it huh. finally, at some point over quite a long time, developed into a script, a feature script. And it's just um, basically the next stop motion film I'm working on um is kara and the story is basically how do you say goodbye to someone after they've gone interesting um i love that it's like it started with just a sentence i feel like some of the like the simplest concepts can be turned into something so beautiful and i just watch it yeah. it's absolutely it's stunning from thank you from the first moment to the last moment i was just enthralled by the animation and the huge world that you created and everything how did you get funding for it though i'm i'm curious because like you know this is a this is a personal project and there's there's mm -hmm. mad production value in this there's there's like motion camera rigs there's amazing puppetry that you've hired stellar animators from around the world to work on this like how do you how do you get funding for a project like this in that's so in in its infancy stages like it's it's that Sorry. is probably, yeah, that's probably the advantages of making, trying to make a film in the European um, mm. market um, because they will fund your project in different stages. So when I first had this like two, two sentences, I could apply for, of course, with a little bit more than the two sentences. Um, as an author, 
I didn't even need a producer on my side at that stage. I could apply for um, treatment funding to write a treatment. So once you have that, you can apply for the next stage, which is script funding, which I was lucky enough to get um, from two different funding bodies in, in Germany. Um, and with that money, you can obviously hire a script consultant. You can, you can really just make something professional out of it. Um, and I think after that, you can, you can apply, which we did also, for development funding, which is the stage where you want to get into more of the visuals, uh, the world, the proof of concept teaser that we created. Um, and after we were done with the teaser um, and building some puppets and some of the stages and some of the some of the world, and we also produced some production artwork uh, to see just how does this world feel like. We also the the film takes place in Istanbul. Um, it is um, maybe. For the listeners, um, it's a it's a autobiographical fantasy <laughs> um, based on some events that were true that uh, got mixed up with some events that were made up. So, um, but we also made a couple of trips to Istanbul with a production designer, with my sound designer. Um, it allows you this development funding allows you all these amazing opportunities where you can just um, really just go research and take it all in and come back and work it into your project. It honestly that, sounds like a dream. Like <laughs> that, Then it becomes a little bit more difficult because now we're at the serious stage um, where you apply for the really, really big money of the production financing, which is where I am right now. Um, the uh, pan yeah the pandemic hasn't really helped with the cinemas being closed and distributors working with closely with cinemas distributors being part of a minimum guarantee that helps you with your financing plan i will not get into the nitty-gritty details yeah, of it but it's it's like i said it's a puzzle and right now that puzzle is not completely working so you have to find alternatives which we're working on with my team um but um yeah, I, I, I was lucky and fortunate and I applied and I presented. There, there's also Cartoon Movie, which is a European um, pitching platform where I pitched this uh, Kara 2018, where we got a, also a prize uh, for from the European body of funding, Eurimage, which allowed me to do the beatboards for the whole film. So oh, now wow. I have not only the script, but I have the whole beatboards planned out for the oh, film. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How do you, so, like, it seems like there's so many stages that this could potentially fall apart at, like, even like the first level of funding, if you don't get that for the script, like, how yeah. do you make sure that you're, you keep pushing this project and keep making it successful? Do you think it's the idea itself? Or is it just how you apply for these things? Or? Like, I think it's more personal. I think it's the amount of passion and, and, and excitement you have for your own project. Yeah. I think that's the other thing thing about like all kinds of filmmaking your your intention as a filmmaker will show through i think that's how you communicate on a on a subtext subliminal level with your audience i think that always kind of seeps through and i feel maybe because we touch everything every frame in every single frame of our films um i feel like it's a bit more stronger in in stop motion films yeah. Um, that 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 your your passion, your excitement, your your insecurities, you're trying to lie a little bit about one part of the story. All of it, all of it comes across. So maybe it's because I feel quite strongly about this film that it has kind of made it this far. 
Um, well, I love, I hope, I love that. And I hope it makes it all, all the way. I'd love to, I'd love to see the full feature film. That would be amazing. Thank you. And just seeing the teaser, like I'm, I'm already blown away. I think if you're listening and you know, you should go check it out. I'll include a link to it. Um, so, but okay. So like, say I'm living in Europe. I, I arrive in Germany. Oh, Terry, wait, yeah. hold that thought. Um, I have not released Okay. Teaser. It was a special viewing for but, me. But I would like to okay. very soon. So would you like to exclusively release it? <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can. Why not? Why not? Okay. Let's do this. The exclusive <laughs> releasing of this teaser is on this podcast. Amazing. Why not? Yes. Why not? I love this. I'm part, I am part of this now. You know, yes, you know, you, you went are. to the level of no uh, backing out. <laughs> yeah. Terry funding to get this released. And you, yes. all you have to do is come on this podcast on a Sunday. <laughs> um, so, okay. But you so, had a question. Yeah. My question is I, I fly over to Europe. I'm in Germany. I got three months mm -hmm. rent and $200 in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> Sound familiar? And I want to make a of. film. And I want to make something like you're making. Um, can I just start doing that? Do I need any credentials? Do I need to, like, obviously there's mm. levels of government funding that you've applied to. Like, can I just start, you know, I have this idea I put on paper. Can I just start going for it? Um, if you keep it small enough, if you don't have a lot of credentials and you don't, I mean, you need to give them some sort of security that you're going right. to make this film. They're not really looking at your credentials to judge you on a creative level to say, hmm, let's see what kind of a storyteller is this person. But may, mainly they're looking at it. We're spending government like, like the actually people's tax money onto this film. Um, are we going to see some return on it? And that doesn't need to be, luckily, a financial return. Basically, they want to make sure that you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. So you need to give them that trust. If you are able to give them that trust, so that could mean um, you don't really have a lot of support structure, but um, you can show them the scale of the film is small enough that you can handle it. Or if it's a bigger scale, then you need to have some partners. You, you need to have a producer who believes in you or someone who's produced something at that scale before, and then you can, you can go for it. So basically, it is, um, you can apply for it. It's just, um, yeah, you would have to just kind of know your limitations and not, not chew off more than what you can bite, maybe. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And for you specifically, no, you've had a the lot other of way around. <laughs> bite off more than you chew yeah you've had a lot of experience you know directing and working with people and working in a studio space and you and you know how to get resources and things that makes sense i'm just wondering like how available this is to the average average person who wants to make a film it is quite a, i mean because they they divvy it up into these little chunks mm -hmm. they're also trying to be uh on the safe side i guess they're trying to mitigate risk a little bit um by just giving you like 10,000 euros for writing a treatment and then 20,000 euros for your script and then 100,000 there there the 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 amount of funding and the support you get increases with each stage and it's always just kind of building upon each other so um that's that's the road for feature films if you're making a short film it's a little bit simpler um you just basically apply with your concept and and some drawings always help just kind of visuals um and and you get a lump sum for your for your short film nice. it's 
it's not always enough to make a short film. So you would have to combine a few funds, but Fair. yeah. So what, what are you working on right now and what's next for you other than, you know, this feature film? Um, I am working on um, Kara, of course. Yeah. Um, I am also working on the script for a short that I'm applying for funding for in August um, because I, I find short format is, is like a little breather in between. Like the long format is just like a very long marathon. And every now and then I want to just kind of take a little breather and make a short film and, and then just um, move on. And, and I also have an idea. So I wanted to just kind of do that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see some, maybe I might, I might be working on a music video soon um, and any other commercials that come my way. <laughs> Um, I, sorry, I had a random question that I yeah. forgot to ask. It was about motion control. Like how do yes. you, like, so like at the studio I'm working at, there's motion control and I have mm -hmm. no idea how it works. And <laughs> I don't, okay, can you go to school for it? Like, how do you even start to figure that out? Because you have this giant, like $10,000 machine that, you know, to do anything extra, you need more money and all this I rig stuff. Like, how do you even well, start to be like, I want a motion control, sh like, shot. I don't, I don't want you to start hating me, but I got very <laughs> lucky on that too. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Okay. You're a lucky um, person. I, um, when I was talking to people to put together a team on Sandman about 10 years ago, um, I met this person who, um, saved our ass on the teaser that we were shooting for for Sandman because we were trying to figure this old monster of a Cooper self-built custom-built humongous machine um, trying to make make that work for for something there was also scaling involved there was there was quite a lot of technical stuff involved in that and um, through one contact I was introduced to Julian Hermansen. And I remember after he came at two in the morning to the studio, saved us <laughs> and um, left some notes for me to um, give to the DOP and then, and then um, the post-production and everything. I was like, why do I have to relay these notes? I think we need this person on this team. <laughs> because I thought um, if we have this in the teaser, we're gonna have more of it in the, in the production. And then we had a very long uh, coffee where I was, I think four hours. He trained me on what motion control is, wow. how it works, <laughs> um, why do I need it? And how can I use it from, from repeat passes to, to scaling to other nifty tricks you can do with it. Um, and then I thought, okay, I think he needs to be on board. So he became actually the visual effects supervisor on, on Sandman. Um, we did quite a lot of crazy things that I haven't really seen repeated. I mean, there is, if you go to my Instagram, there's a, there's a post about, um, Sandman motion control where we take, we 3d animated. I had, I had written into the script, a lot of flying boats. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be this difficult. <laughs> I was still naive. <laughs> Um, and then um, we took a lot of flying objects were there and heavy objects because they had to also support puppets and everything. Um, and 
we 3D animated those um, objects. And then we took the movements and divvied it up between two different motion control systems. One not even running on the same system, like um, software. One of them was a Cooper system. One of them was a Animoco from Mark Roberts. Um, and we gave the objects movement in space to one system. And the um, movement, forward movement of the object in the reverse format to the other system. So if the boat is going forward, the boat was standing in place, just moving in its own axes, and the camera was going backwards. And when wow. you play it, then it looks like... So yeah. we split basically the movement to make the lighting easier, to make the animations jo animator's job easier. And um, I, I think that was quite crazy what we did there. And it I became very, very efficient. Yeah, I've seen the post on Instagram you're talking about with the boat yeah. in the air and, and like you yeah. see how it was rendered in 3D space and then how it was like perfected in real life. It's quite incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, I was just so from, there, from there on, I, I, I never wanted to work without motion control ever again. <laughs> it just looks so good though, right? Like it does. It does. And I do really like camera movements that are drawing you into the film that are subtle enough, that are soft enough. I don't yeah. necessarily go for these uh, very fast and gimmicky kind of, I, I, I don't want to, sometimes the story calls for those kinds of things. It's a stylistic choice, but my, my choice is just kind of making the camera um, part of the viewer's experience. It's just drawing you into the story, basically. Yeah. It shouldn't really cry out, hello, I'm here but it should actually just kind of take you and, and lead you where you need to be. Yeah. Um, and, and that softness in stop motion, how else are you going to achieve it? You, with a, a measuring tape and a very yes. steady hand, basically. <laughs> yeah. And a crank. I... But you, and this is another reason if you're listening to go check out the teaser to Kara, which is exclusively <laughs> launched in this podcast. Um, you have an absolutely beautiful shot where the curtains open up and you're you just like you come past this bridge and you the camera pans over following this bus and yeah. just sorry I'm like revealing everything here. You can, it's okay. And, and you see this wonderful shot of this entire city, which I cannot believe you built. It looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. Like I would just thank you and see your studio because I would just it just just looks phenomenal. <laughs> you're always welcome. I mean okay. when we you can when we can safely your fly budget, around. Um cancel the pandemic somehow. Yep. And then um put in the budget my flights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there we go. I'll come work yeah. on it. Done. Okay, done. Deal. Done. Okay. Yeah, this is great. This is this all is right. what podcast is all about. Just <laughs> Why not? Why Launching not? trailers and getting me jobs. Getting hey. you jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you had a your ulterior motive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but to my advantage, I have an awesome animator now. <laughs> what up? Yeah. Well, Why, not? Okay. Why not? Why um, not? So, oh, go ahead. Um, I wanted to add the crazier thing is which is obviously mm, i'm not going to put it up in in 3d but we shot that whole teaser also 3d stereoscopic oh my goodness so double the work <laughs> double the work in every single aspect i and mean nobody I had, will ever see it <laughs> yeah i, I had to it was so it is it is so i mean i'm not really into um 
3D, I feel like it, it's not that necessary. But when it comes to stop motion and the, the this whole tactile aspect, I think, the moment you realize 3D makes it a little bit more kind of accessible and, and you know the scale all of a sudden, but it's walking on its own or doing things on its own. And it's just, oh my God, it's... it's <laughs> Maybe you should do a little social media post of that so we can see that too. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to do it, but I will look into it. I don't. I have no idea how to put a three D trailer out there um, that people can it's also watch in three D. You know. Yes. Thank you. Okay, that's next for me. Yeah, <laughs> Figure um, out. We've talked a lot. We've talked about you know your journey from mm -hmm. Turkey to the States, and then you know leaving Hollywood where everything is happening to go to Germany <laughs> to make uh, films and making, and making a career out of it by being flexible and, and you know having a garden and uh, you know your directing work and your future projects. Is there anything you wanted to? I, I, I know you've been listening to podcasts for a while, and you're you know you're steeped in the animation industry yourself. Is there anything you wanted to share or talk about or? you know, things that have been interesting along the way for you or challenging specifically, just anything. Well, I don't know what's on my mind currently as it relates to stop motion and, and animation in general or the visual um, arts generally is how, how our social media interactions are changing the way we watch things. I have a fear, including yeah. me, that I will not be able to watch long format stuff. That I'm actually... already I'm already having trouble doing that. <laughs> you, yeah, me too. When I, when I watch bit. a movie now, I take breaks at home. I yeah. take a break. I like put it on pause, come back to it maybe tomorrow, the next day. Yeah, and that 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 kind of that kind of scares me a little bit um, because I love the immersion of just concentrated, just giving something your time, developing and and easing into a story, going with the character, learning, blah, blah, blah. And, and now it's more like uh, put a like if it's more than three seconds, you've already moved yeah. on to the next video. And it's so much work that goes into these things that um, I, I, I don't know. When I share my work on Instagram or other platforms, I think twice, thrice four times about it thinking like do I really want to put it out there as like a little like is, is it just going to be there, there was so much work that went into this um but I I also don't have any other outlets I mean who goes to we were talking about it, who goes to look at your website anymore what's a website um I I that's that's the thing that I don't have an answer it's just based basically just yeah. a conversation I'm having um with with anyone who will ask me this question like what, what are you yeah. thinking about this is what i'm thinking about how does that change the way we tell stories how does it change like our consumption of, of like do we look at it as like a consumer um yeah i mean I, that's I I, that's something i think about all the time too especially because like you know i'm coming into this career a little bit uh midlife for myself and and trying to figure out you know stability and what i want to do with it and exploring social media and you know that's where you have like buzzfeed and five minute crafts that have yeah. popped up because it's just you get a dopamine rush for seeing what something for like two seconds and you move on but i think like and the pandemic has not helped because when i'm home i'm so distracted i'm like what's going on on instagram what's on tiktok yeah. what's on my email like what is on youtube but like something that i really miss is going to a theater and like having 
to tune out yeah. everything and just sitting back for an hour and enjoying a story. And I, I'm hoping that when the pandemic is over and things open up, that that becomes a thing again, because I, I really think we're missing that storytelling experience currently, uh, at least for myself, I'm, I am. Yeah. So, but maybe I will. I will raise my coffee glass to that. I hope, I, I hope, very. <laughs> raise my, my mic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. I do really hope that movie theaters stay alive and well. Yeah. Um, even, even with the binging and the, and the watching stuff at home, the screen's bigger and the experience is more comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. It's not the same. So I, I really do miss that atmosphere yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Also, also just, just, being part of a crowd that yeah. gets excited about the same thing it's a it's it's a different you're all experiencing at the same time and like yeah the, yeah the excitement i mean conversely there's also the opportunity to to explore very short format storytelling which i don't i haven't really seen any good examples of somebody doing that kind of like on instagram where they create like a a very obviously it takes so much time and money and effort but like a very short like just format series that you can kind of watch yeah, three seconds and five seconds a day or something you know a series not but there are some examples like i am completely obsessed by the tiny chef um. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great example right and that wouldn't exist in any yeah. other format. like that can exist on uh, i mean there it's i hear it's going to be a tv show yeah so did i congratulations uh, tiny chef <laughs> yeah right but that that's that's a great example of something that is taking advantage of the format in a really great way. So yeah, so I guess you can you can be maybe less story, more character driven because what keeps me watching Tiny Chef or um, formats alike is the character and lovability, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the instant connection of like and and then you can move maybe you can get people to watch those things and then move into telling little longer stories every time or something. Um, yeah. Well, that is a that's that's also something on my mind, too, because like I'm still trying to figure out because I, I would like to, you know, uh, get into a place kind of where you are, where you're directing and telling your own stories and, and getting funding and stuff. And that's something that I'm constantly trying to figure out for myself. I just need to dive in at some point. And go, you just you need to do it. Terry. Yeah, I just need I stop thinking about this. And yeah, just get one hour of sleep after work, stay up all yeah. night, get another look, hour. Before. Look, it's easy. You have to be born in Turkey. Go study something completely irrelevant. <laughs> oh, wait, you did do all of that. You did go into business consulting or some some business job. Yeah, but I wasn't so born in the... Turkey. I don't I didn't. So, you know, I was born in Canada, stayed can, in Canada, can... still in Canada. Well, OK, we, we can change the birthplace, but I think I think you're on the right path. You should you yeah. should just you should just jump into it now. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's so funny because like me jumping from my business career into animation was such like a it was such a moment, like it was, it was years in the making. And then as soon as I, I made that switch, it was just like on off switch. This is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing every day. But even to like, you know, to go from school to, to like, I put school on pause to take a job. That was a tough decision too. And, and when I made the switch, no problem. It's just, I just feel like, what am I trying to say? I just need to dive in and do it. And then it's, it's just getting done. And it's but, done. Yeah. But it's like the, the mental barriers to doing it, you know, your brain is like evaluating risks and comfortability and where you're at and fears and yeah. all these things. Yeah. And, and it's well, I mean, I, 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 I think it's also not only that, but also being like filmmaker, storyteller, artist. It's it's probably the same fear that we all ha have. 
this this imposter syndrome oh, yeah. like you you do something and then you're thinking like what if i did it all wrong <laughs> i mean there's really no one way of doing it so yeah. i might be screwing this up really badly and maybe just saying screw that it's so what then then it's a mistake so it's a story that wasn't really well told it's not going to hurt anyone but you learn it's, from it and you know how to do it better next time yeah. but 100% it's like with with artistic things there's no right and wrong even if it is even if it does feel wrong it's still right like it's not like it's not like a data entry where you know you put the numbers <laughs> you put the numbers in excel and and you do them and it that's the yeah. right way it's like there's infinite ways to make this happen and but there's also a lot of fear like did i are people going to like this do i even know yeah. what i'm doing like it's it's so it's anxiety why should they listen to me right? there's so many other talented people yeah, who are like i don't have anything and... unique to say i'm not famous i i don't have a million followers like <laughs> so those are the voices that we need to just say shut up <laughs> everybody has that yeah, yeah and just definitely. just just do it do do what what's what's what makes sense for you i guess yeah um, well, yeah. I'm gonna have to take this to heart. I mean, so once my once my contract wraps up, I have a plan mm -hmm. to start something that has been on my mind for many years. So, oh wow, yeah, all the we'll, all the we'll best see. of luck with it. We'll I'm curious. We'll that. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it's something yeah. I've been. It's you know when you think about something for so long, it becomes such this big thing in your mind, and you don't even like know where to start. I feel like that's that's where I'm at. But I just have to. I just have to put it down on something um finding partners creative partners who yeah. will who will share the excitement in your project has been my saver savior throughout did you, so that my is, career that is something that i've been looking for and like was a big reason why i went to animation school because i wanted to be surrounded instead of just you know learning on my own i wanted to be surrounded by other people all the time and how did you end up finding somebody you really jived with? Because like, I don't feel like I've found that yet myself. And I'm, I really mm -hmm. want that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's a few people that, that are my go-to people. Like the production designer, Anna Hoffman, her work is amazing. And um, she makes your stories better. And although she's, she will give you a lot of lot of notes, <laughs> like we should change this part of the story because look at this picture. This is much better, and it should take place in Japan now. <laughs> um, but um, no, seriously, um, I started working with her on the three robbers. Um, it was it was just people that you just kind of click with along the way on different projects. Even though yeah. I wasn't a director, she wasn't working with me on my idea but there was something that we we just kind of started exchanging i think sentences a day like i was just writing scribbling things and she was just making funny drawings to that and that's that's how our partnership there i guess started um and then it went on to obviously i wanted her to be part of sandman she's the production designer on sandman and then we worked on quite a lot of projects together and um now whenever i have even if, if it's just a health idea, I will just send her an email, see if ah. she's my she's my kind of checkpoint, basically, yeah, to see if the idea is good or not. If, if a picture comes back, then I know it inspires someone. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the same goes for my the team that I have here. Again, over the years through different projects, there's there's people who um, 
build puppets and, and sets and they have aesthetic like art direction um, ambitions and and they they got excited with a few things that I gave them and they we started collaborating and that's how that kind of flourished so and and with obviously um Julian it's um he has taught me so much from the technical aspect he's a he's a technical person with a very creative vision so it's it's um yeah I guess I guess collect people good people throughout the years from from other projects so you're just working on a project and you you get a feeling you're going to you're going to vibe with this person and you send them something and it sparks yeah. something and maybe it doesn't work out but maybe it does. Okay, good. I mean yeah. the, I love that it's organic versus like hello. I, yeah. I would like to have a creative partner here <laughs> or or here. or an Instagram post. I am looking for <laughs> Please send your application to yeah. Okay. And don't underestimate you also probably have a lot of people who come to you for advice now. And people who seem to be mentees turn out to uh, be people who actually have a lot of creative input into certain things. I've worked with a co- couple of people that way too. Um, sense, and yeah. um, they, were, they were actually asking me things and I thought, hmm, your work, amazing. Shall, shall we do a short together? Um, so <laughs> They're like, um, yes, you're, you're my <laughs> idol, of course. <laughs> So it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, just uh, nice. see, look, look for organic kind of like people you click with on a, on a more like, you don't have to be the best friends, but yeah. just on a personal level seem to be good creative partners. Okay. That's good advice. I'm going to start, I'm going to start putting out my feelers, I think, because yeah. uh, I, I have not been really doing that. I've can, it's weird, but I've been keeping my ideas private for some reason, like no reason. I just have not that I'm intending to keep them private. I just haven't made any effort to share to share them with anybody, I guess. So, is it is it the the more like the Northern American culture of project I think secrecy? I think it's just me. I'm you know like there's just I don't really have anything on paper yet, and I'm just being timid about talking about these things. So I'm gonna use this chat as my inspiration to go into work and chat with my coworkers and be like, here here's something I'm working on. What do you think? I think this How is lovely. That's, yeah, this has been my. Yeah. This has been that my, makes me happy. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, is there anything you else? I guess as you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, is there anything else you wanted to share, or anything on your mind, or anything else yeah. that makes you happy, or just how was this experience <laughs> chatting with a Canadian on a? It was awesome. It was it was very easy. Thank you for inviting me, and thank you for making it so easy to chat. Oh, good, good. (laughs) It's 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 been awesome. No, I think I think I mean I I can go on, but I don't. Maybe (laughs) if you feel compelled, um, please. Like if you have things. No, I don't. I don't necessarily have anything specific on my mind. It's just um, it's it's you're a very very nice and easy to chat person. So. Well, thank you. Well, uh, okay, I guess that's it. But um, is I guess is there any final advice for listen to the animation podcast? I have been doing it. I think since you started. Um, wow. I've been a fan. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I think it's really inspiring to listen to because exactly because of everything we just said about yeah. there is no one way, one right way of doing it showing yeah, yeah. more and more examples of how people have landed where they've landed in their paths, the mistakes they've made, the success stories, highlighting all of that is 
such an amazing support structure. I think you're doing an awesome job. So thank you for the animation podcast. Oh my gosh, I might I might tear up a bit. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me, honestly. Um, <laughs> well, and that's it's a heartfelt. Big, that's a big part of what I am trying to do because like, you know, my own my own journey was so important to me on, on like making this decision and just learning about how other people get into this. It's incredible. Everybody has a different path completely and yeah. different, different resources when they start out and, and the drive to pursue a career in animation and, and specifically stop motion is so strong for some people. And it's, it's uh, I find it amazing to hear stories like yours, like incredible. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm gonna go to a country where I don't know any of the language. I don't even know how to animate really. And no. <laughs> like, amazing, what the heck, incredible. Maybe we have ruined uh, the lives of a few young people who have listened to this podcast and if are inspired, inspired to go out and do something they have no clue about. But I feel like, you know, if you're not doing that with your life, then like... What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's an awesome closer. If yeah, I was going to say, stop motion, let's, let's wrap it up doing? on what are you doing with your life? What the heck? <laughs> you're listening to this. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And I'm really happy we connected. This has been great. Me too. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you. And if you're listening and you want to uh, get in touch with or follow CNM's work, you can do so by checking out her Instagram. And I'm going to try my hardest to pronounce your last <laughs> name. I might butcher it, but it's CNM uh, underscore Sakulu. Sakulu. That was almost correct. Sinem underscore Sakaolo. Sakaolo. Yeah. Okay. Sinem awesome. Under, underscore Sakaolo. And I'll include that as well as a link to the teaser that she just finished up on Kara, which is an incredible, uh, the Turkish fantasy film. You should definitely give it a watch in the description of this podcast. So please check those out, that out. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.